welcome to part 3 of the Omen franchise. Omen 3, the final conflict. Something I noticed last weekend while watching The Exorcist is just how much the Omen ripped us off. A. It has an archaeologist slash exorcist. B. It has said priest digging up holy artifacts. And 3. The young priest is called Damien. Anyway, from one classic to this cult classic, Omen 3. Three years after the second Omen film came out, Omen 3 comes out in 1981. However, this movie is set in 2009. So the now 33-year-old Damien is ready to take over the world. However, this movie pulls all sorts of retcons and sets this movie in 1981, making Damien born in the 1940s, meaning the Omen takes place in 1953 and not 1976, and Omen 2 takes place in 1966, not 1989. Jeez, what a fucking mess. No wonder this movie bombed, making only $23 million from a $5 million budget. It is also stated in some places that this was shot in 1979 and wasn't released until 1981. Moving on to the supposed Omen curse. Well, the stuntman doing the attack on Damien in the TV studio had to do the stunt over a week as it kept on going wrong and the last time he tried to do it, he was almost roasted alive. The generator used in the finale burst into flames for no apparent reason. A 13-year-old girl killed her sister, stating it was the devil talking to her via her copy of The Omen. And the Church of Satan, there is such a thing as this, picketed Fox saying the movie's ending was unfair to Lucifer. Okay then. Starring Sam Neill, Lisa Harrow, Rosario Brasilia, I think that's how you say that one, Don Gordon, Barnaby Holm, and Blink and you'll miss it, Ruby Wax. The plot, a now 33 year old Damien is about to take over the world and it's down to a group of monks to stop him before he kills the second coming of Christ. Can he be finally stopped or is the world doomed? So the movie opens on some mining equipment, digging up a set of Christ daggers which the director's commentary says is the ruins of the Thorn Museum after Damien reduces it to ashes. However, that was a very small fire at the end of the second movie and you heard police and fire engine sirens in the background. But I guess it was hellfire, so that reduced that entire museum to rubble. A miner steals them and pawns them because of course that was you would do. You would pawn seven daggers with Christ on the handles for no bloody apparent reason. Moving on, another man buys them from the pawn shop and then sells them to an auctioneer house who then auctions them off to a third man who bids on him and wins. Doing some research on him, he finds out what the, the Christ daggers are for and sells them back to the church. And that is the opening three minutes of the Omen 3. No dialogue, no catching up on Damien. No aftermath, just choir chanting. So a priest flies to Italy and hands over the daggers to the monks. The movie then shows a Thorn Industries commercial about the Ice Age, mankind struggles, famine disease and the second great recession. Now see if this was set in 2009 then that would have been on the button and some very powerful predictions but since it's not I can't say that. It's also the commercial talks about how great Thorn industry is much to the annoyance and distaste of Damien now played by Sam Neill, who wanted to show more depravity and famine, showing just how powerful and how grateful the people are to the thorn industry. He then tells his aide, Harvey Dean, played by Don Gordon, 
that she'll be the new ambassador to Great Britain. Then quotes from the Bible some obscure verse saying that he's been in charge of Thorna for seven years, making this 1996, not 1981. And Damien, 20, not 33, but moving on to Hyde Park in London. And American ambassador getting stalked by a hellhound, then possessed by the beast to kill himself in a gruesome way as possible. One thing, could it not have been a black cat instead of a Rottweiler again? After all, the Rottweiler was newest omen, the crow was at one two, so why not have a black cat in Omen three? Hmm. Anyway, hypnotized by the hillhound, he walks from Hyde Park to his office, ignoring his chauffeur-driven car, which is a bloody Ford. Really, movie a Ford? I mean, I know you're a low-budget movie, but a Ford? What the fuck's sake? Once in his office, ignoring his secretary, played by Ruby Wax. Yes, folks, Ruby Wax. Also spots Harvey Bernhard, the movie's producer, as the man the ambassador calls in order for him to kill himself by calling a press conference. The ambassador uses a ribbon from his typewriter, remember them folks, hmm, to elaborately set up his suicide using a Walther PPK. In some disgusting OTT gore effects, which like got this thing an X rated, but the producer felt for it to become an R rated as the secret opens the door to the press, blowing his head clean off. Cut to the White House, as Damien is given the role of British Ambassador. However, he says he can't take it, as he'd have to stand down as a head of Thorne Industries. However, the President, played by Mason Adams, says it'll be fine, as roles can be bent. So Damien takes it, saying he can only be in charge until 1984, Two years later, making this 1981, not 1986, fucking up the timeline yet again. Cut to a shot of space, as astronomers are looking for the sign of the second coming in three stars, magically moving at an accelerated rate to combine on March 24th at 2am British time. Back in Italy, as Father De Caro, played by Rosano Brasili, Ask for blessings over the seven Christ daggers. But wait, aren't they already blessed and holy? Hmm. Handing each dagger to one of six monks, telling them to ask for forgiveness, forgiveness and ask for strength to take down the Antichrist once and for all. Cut to a party, hosted by Damien, where we meet Kate Reynolds, played by Lisa Harrell, who actually fell in love with Sam Neill and had a child with him, Tim Neill. We meet Harvey Dean and his pregnant wife, Barbara Dean, played by Louine Willoughby, who is stated she is a week from giving birth, setting things up for things later. Harvey introduced Kate to Damien, who said she works for the BBC, the British Broadcasting Charity, except it's a corporation and not a charity, as we pay a TV licence, not just give to charity in order to get the BBC. Hmm. It's love at first sight. They agree to meet that Sunday, however she says she can't as she has her son Peter, played by Barnaby Holm, son of Ian Holm. But Damien says to bring him anyway. So cut to the Sunday at a pond in Hyde Park as Damien is playing with Peter with a toy boat which he gives him bribing him. Walking around they get to Speaker's Corner in which Nutters would hold court on a soapbox talking about whatever the hell they wanted, but I think that this is no longer true. 
It is here he learns from a street preacher about the stars and also a monk has tracked him down. It then shows the monk telling the other monks about Damien, Kate and her son. The monks watching TV see Damien is on Kate's TV show, so they decide to attack, with one monk doing this by climbing up on a catwalk above the set, however he falls. However, before going on set, Harvey spots a transvestite and calls him a faggot, and this pulled me clean out of the movie. This should have been cut, even at the time that was an uncalled for word, why not use the word queer? And I'm hoping to God he gets his comeuppance in a very nasty, vile way. Just as Kate runs down Damien's CV, that is, resume, if you're American, saying in 1971 he took over Thorn Industries and he's been in charge for nine, for seven years, making this 1978, not 1981. Another fucking blow to the timeline there, folks. Hmm. So the monk falls on the catwalk and gets caught up in wires, causing him to crash through the set, knocking down a light, which sets light paint and turpentine, which roasts him as he swings onto plastic sheets, which are somehow behind the scenes for no apparent fucking reason. This took seven days to shoot and almost cost that stuntman his life. Cut to Damien's estate as Harvey learns about the Christ daggers from Damien, just as a butler comes in telling Harvey his wife is now in labour. The next day, the monks read about in the paper about their fallen monk, as Father De Caro tells the rest of the monks to find the Christ child after it will be born real soon. Back at his estate, Damien goes up to his hidden satanic church and prays to his father. As the camera moves around Damien, we see a Christ on a cross nailed with his back to us without wearing a loincloth. So Damien talks and taunts to the figure going behind him to bugger him with tears of blood running down the Christ figure's face. Okay then, I guess that's why he was fine with the transsexual, saying, and I quote, they're all God's children. Hmm. Back with the astronomers, Father De Caro and two monks discover the Christ child will be born, but looks on the map and it's somewhere in London. Very handy that, isn't it, folks, since Damien is in London also. Yay, continuity for a change. Yeah. Whew. Cut back to Damien's estate, and the three stars align, and the Christ child is born, just as Damien has a nightmare, as the music swells and a choir chants. This is where, in the director's commentary, it is said this was filmed in 1979. The next day, Damien is driven to the American embassy. After being hounded by the press about the events at the BBC, he gets cornered by Kate, who somehow managed to get past the press gang and security, asking for another interview, which he agrees to, saying he would be safer at his house, and she should stay the night for dinner, uh, forcing this love angle in even more. In the office, Harvey is on the telephone, telling us he has had a baby last, a baby boy last night, setting things up for much later. It is here Harvey learns about the about the Christ child. Also, for every day he's alive, Damien grows weaker. And yet he still has the power to, I don't know, call on his, his lackeys and use the hellhounds to possess people and such, but moving on. Since the movie does enemy, so... <laughs> Meanwhile, outside, a lone monk sits watching and awaiting Damien's every single move. The next day, the lone monk gets a bus to the middle of nowhere for no reason and walks over fields to the ruins of an old church, taking all day to lure Damien into a trap. However, Damien 
tricks the two monks that are waiting for him by making them think the lone monk was him, so they attack and stab the monk to death. Finding their mistake, they are then attacked by Damien's devil dog, so they hide in a cell which is blocked up and they're trapped in there to rot. Somehow the dog manages to pick up the cage door and slam it shut. Mm-hmm. Moving on. The following day, Damien tells Harvey there is still three daggers left. Also, he wants every male child born between midnight and dawn on the 24th of March to be killed. Damien asks Harvey when his son was born. Lying, he says 10 to midnight on the 23rd of March. Damien gives an order to Harvey, telling him to kill all the children to use, quote, their people. Also, he wants a meeting with the people on Sunday. So Damien walks off to have his interview with Kate. It then just cuts to Sunday, as Damien is on a fox hunt with Kate's son Peter in the group. Meanwhile, it is shown the remaining monks have trapped a fox, which they use to lure Damien into another trap. And this poor fox was scared of his mind because this wasn't a trained fox, but an actual wild fox, and it was hounded harassed by a Jack Russell Terrier. The poor little thing. So off go to fox hunt, political incorrectness at its best here. No wonder it was banned here in 2002 and banned in England in 2004. With the, f- the hunt in full chase, the monks release their fox after killing the fox. Used in the hunt, they lure Damien onto a bridge as the bearded monk uses the corpse of the fox to lead the hunt astray. On the bridge, Damien is cornered by two monks, one on horseback, who somehow managed to be two places at once, leading the pack away and standing on the bridge, and the other by a jeep. So Damien spooks the horse, bucking the monk to his death, while Damien's pack of dogs eats the other one. Two little things here. A. Vic Armstrong, the stuntman for the horseback monk, says this was one of the most dangerous stunts he's ever done, as it was very shallow water he was diving into. And B. Why aren't the dogs spooked by Damien? Anyway... Damien comes back with the blood of the monk, even though if you watch the movie, the dogs are actually licking him, not biting him. He smears the blood on Peter, who about licks the handkerchief clean. Cut to the quarry, with Damien getting helicoptered in onto his meeting with the quote, Disciples of the Watch on a Sunday night. Really movie? Disciples of the Watch? Can you not call it Disciples of the Jackal? Instead of Disciples, never mind. With 450 extras all freezing their asses off as this was shot at 3am on a March night in 1979. And let me tell you, Britain is freezing cold during the winter months, folks. So that must mean fun to shoot. Damien gets his disciples to kill every child born on the 20th of March. Cut to Harvey's flat. And he's on the phone with a few of his disciples on a mobile phone the size of a suitcase. I kid you not, folks, this phone is actually a suitcase. <laughs> oh dear God, technology. After hanging up with the disciples, some children are shown kicking a ball into the face of a mother, causing her to let go of her Silvercross pram as it rolls down a hill onto traffic where it is hit by a taxi cab. Then a priest drowns another child at its baptism. And a nurse kills a baby in hospital by turning off his oxygen. And finally, two BB boys show up at the door of another new mother and it fades to black. 
According to the behind-the-scenes, it was a 13-year-old boy who was paid to come up with these killings as a writer refused point-blank to kill off newborn babies. On the TV, Damien and Father Carlo watch Kate's TV show as she reports on the deaths of the baby boys as the government tries to cover it up. So Harvey's wife also gets worried for her son, saying that the son was born on the 24th. Father DeCarlo goes to Kate's house and tells her she is on the right track with the baby's murders, telling her about the second coming of Christ, also the Antichrist. And Kate asks for proof which the monk hands over, telling her about Damien being the Antichrist as Peter listens on from the upstairs bedroom. Before leaving, the monk tells her about the 666 mark and leaves her with evidence. Falling asleep, Peter sneaks down and steals the monk's telephone number and address. Back at Damien's office, Harvey tells Damien that only has three or four boys left to kill, so Damien asks does that include his own little son. Peter calls Damien, telling him about Father DeCarlo, so Damien tells him to follow him. So undiscreetly, Peter follows the monk around to Harvey's house, where the monk tells her everything. So she faces off with her husband about the baby's deaths and threatens to leave him. Actually threatens to stab this loving shit of him, actually. <laughs> Cut to a date with Damien and Kate, with him buying on about a pike called Old Nick and her saying that the British called the devil Old Nick. She falls into the river as Damien walks away, only to save her at the very last minute before drowning, which leads to a sex scene which turns into a rape all of a sudden. The next morning, Kate wakes up with cuts and bruises and bite marks from the rape, making me think Damien turns into a jackal at night. Snipping around the estate, Kate finds Damien in his satanic church and finds a 666 mark on the back of his head as he is sound asleep. Later that morning, Harvey shows up to work with the press hurrying over the Tel Aviv incident that has been playing out throughout the movie but is only a subplot and is completely ignored. In the office, Damien quizzes him about, about the monk and states his son is the only one left and for him to kill it, so Harvey refuses and runs off. Cut to his wife and son as Damien's hellhound possesses the wife, tricking her into killing her own son with the iron. Harvey goes home to find his son dead, and I should say, according to the director's commentary, the camera stalled on plate 666 while filming this baby's death scene. Hmm. Owing curse or what? And this is where Harvey gets the comeuppance as his wife Barbara brains him with the iron after he saves his dead son. At the TV studio, Father DeCaro tells Kate her son is now an apostate of the Antichrist, saying she must kill her, him in order for him to save his immortal soul. She refuses. The monk says, don't worry about it, he'll do it anyway. Hmm, nice monk there. So off the two go to her flat. Meanwhile, Damien taunts the naked Christ statue again as it shows Kate driving to Damien's estate, just as Peter pledges to the side of Damien. She st stops it just before he fully pledges, and she says he'll return Damien to the Christ child in exchange for Peter's life. So driving to the ruins of an old abbey, Father DeCaro tries to kill Damien. However, Damien pulls Peter in front of him, and the boy is killed with a, by the final Christ dagger, even though there should only be four left floating around somewhere but here. Damien chokes the monk who should have stabbed him with other daggers but never mind as Kate mourns her child 
Damien shouts into the shadows after the Christ child. He finds the altar just as Kate stabs him with one of the daggers. Staggering towards the altar, Christ appears and smites him down with holy light. With Damien shouting, it is not over and you have won nothing. As Bible quotes appear and credits roll. So that was Omen 3, only slightly better than Omen 2, with some hammy acting, terrible effects, shocking dialogue, and is unintentionally hilarious in parts. I'm going to give this one, I don't know, 3, possibly 4 out of 10. And that's been generous, folks. That has been generous. Anyway, come back next week for the final part of the Omen franchise, the Omen of Remake. Then next month, I'll look at The Fly. In August, I'll be doing movies that turned either 30 or 20 this year in Labyrinth, Aliens, Doctor Who, the movie, and Scream. Then in September, I'll look at the Psycho franchise. So don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Bye. Thank you.